Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. It's nice to see all of you. How y'all doing? I know we've asked you a couple times this morning, but how are you really doing? Yeah, right. All right. And all of a sudden, we're in the middle of what happens next. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you that you gather us from all four corners of the city and that you touch extended networks at the same time you gather us all from these different places of vocation and purpose. And you call us to remember you, to listen for your voice, to dive into the scriptures. God, we ask that... um, Today, you would continue to impress on our hearts and that we would join in with what you are doing, not only here in this church, in this gathering, but that, um, God, we would join in with what you are doing everywhere right now because you are clearly at work. So give us eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit is speaking to us today as an expression of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And all of a sudden, we're in the middle of what happens next. Who feels like life is kind of going that way? Just all of a sudden, (laughs) Nick's like me. (laughs) For sure. When I wrote that, I thought of you. I thought of you. Um. Yeah, life is just kind of moving along at an outrageous pace. We're almost three months into 2023, which is, which is wild. And last week, um, or a couple weeks ago, um, in our intercessory prayer meeting that we have on Friday mornings, um, we are allowing Psalm 65 to wash over us as a group as we were praying for the church and for the world and for different spheres of influence that we believe when we, when we step into that space to pray for these different spheres um, that the scriptures inform us in these moments and wash over us. And there was just one verse in Psalm 65, verse 11, that I feel like I want to encourage you today if you feel like you're in the middle of what happens next and things are going so fast and some of us are dealing with incredible challenges um, complex issues or uncertainties and the season of change, um, I felt like this word really just spoke deeply into me, but it says, you crown the year with a bountiful harvest, even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. And some of you know that my word of the year or our word of the year, Victoria and I's word of the year is abundance. And, and so I just felt it fitting 
to strengthen you this morning, to tell you, despite all of those things that are happening and despite how fast life is going and how hard things can be or tricky to discern through, that there is abundance to discover in the hard pathways. And there is a bountiful harvest that we are currently harvesting right now, not just in our local community, getting closer and being strengthened in one another, but also around the world. There's so much going on. Um, but even in the hard pathways, there is abundance overflowing there for us. And as we continue in this series in Mark, the human God, you know, one of the things about me, and then I kind of empathize with Mark in the sense, if you think about it, Mark's probably been told this, but his people have been waiting for this moment for 500 years, for Jesus to arrive on the scene for their king, their Messiah, to arrive on the scene. And I personally have this deep desire to see the kingdom in action. You know, it's a curious thing to me that despite myself and despite how wrapped up that I can be in the responsibilities of life and how to steward my life well, you know, filling my time, sometimes wasting it. Obviously, who's a time waster? We're all time wasters, I'm pretty sure. Um, Despite those patterns, those worldly patterns that kind of just remain lingering around us, that in any given moment, I have the opportunity to stop and pause and, and perceive the kingdom of God at work. And I desire for this. This is something that out of, when all of that noise kind of is overwhelming me, There are these moments that by God's grace, I stop and just, like, God, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? So we have an opportunity that in any given moment to read between the lines, even to approach the kingdom of God in our midst, to touch it. This kind of grace just kind of blows my mind. Co-laboring with the resurrected Jesus, in making all things new, participating in the healings of the nations, how does this make any sense that we have this opportunity as followers of Jesus? So as we continue in the Gospel of Mark, I want to capture you know, the heart of Mark as this, seven, uh, this late teen chosen to um, record what Peter experienced in his three years of walking alongside Jesus. Just imagine the excitement. Here, is, here comes our king. Capture his heart. Hear his heart saying, behold, it's really happening. Hear the way he speaks. See the way he moves. Get familiar with him because he means everything. That should be up on the screen. It's okay. Behold, it's really happening. Let's capture the heart of Mark. Hear the way he speaks. See the way he moves. Get familiar with him because he means everything. And over the past five chapters that we've been journeying through the gospel of Mark, and and Ryan has alluded to this, things are happening really fast. We're just plowing through event after event, 
Jesus' ministry is picking up steam. He's waking up early mornings, retreating to solitary places, finding rest and intimacy with the Father. But then he comes down the mountain and he has this incredible degree of focus to demonstrate the kingdom and direct it to realize this long-awaited year of the Lord's favor, to fulfill Israel's vocation to become a light to the nations. Can we just immerse ourselves and capture the heart of Mark of how excited he is? Maybe this is why he's moving along at such a fast pace. But wait, Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners on the margins. He's interfacing with the religious elite. He's teaching large groups of people, gathering disciples to himself and sending them out. He's delegating authority to his apostles to heal the sick and cast out demons. He's running possessed pigs off of cliffs, sleeping through windstorms and then waking up to calm them down and calm his disciples down in the process. And then people touching his cloak finding his gaze and healing power in an instant. It's the kingdom of God in action. And then we move into chapter 6, and this is where we're going today, chapter 6. I'm kind of just going to dialogically preach through the first few parts here. And something happens. He's teaching in a synagogue on Sabbath in his hometown interfacing with the religious leaders and his family members. And we learn that he's kind of amazed at their un- by their unbelief, by their religiosity. And there seems to be, we discover that there's a rift between him and his family members and his siblings, actually, whom never appear to be among his followers in his lifetime, not counting the resurrection. It's, it's not easy. Like, who has family members who don't get behind what you believe? I can speak that for myself. But you can imagine the things that Jesus is actually going through here. And so he turns away from his hometown to teach the kingdom in surrounding villages. And then he delegates his apostles. He chooses the 12 and he sends them out into other villages. There's a lot going on here. This is fast-paced. It's the ministry of Jesus in action here. And then hard and really sad news comes to Jesus. He receives news about the execution of his cousin, childhood friend, someone who he ran in the fields with for years, made a spectacle for the Roman elite, beheaded, for entertainment almost. He uses the bargaining chip. Can you imagine how Jesus felt in these moments? And here's where we enter into the story. Picking things up in chapter 6, verse 30. And I'm going to read this out as the words are up on the screen. If anything sticks out to you, I want you to take out your phone and jot it down because after we're done reading, you will talk to your neighbor about what sticks out to you. And we love doing that. So I'm going to read it. Well, actually, let me pray first. 
Father, as we dive into the story of your son, would your spirit alight on us, awaken our senses as we read through your word, through your testimony. Amen. Verse 1. The apostles came back to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. All right, he said. It's time for a break. Come away, just you, and we'll go somewhere lonely and private. Crowds of people were coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. So they went off privately in the boat to a deserted spot. And crowds saw them going, realized what was happening, hurried on foot from all the towns, and arrived there first. When Jesus got out of the boat, he saw the huge crowd and was deeply sorry for them because they were like a flock without a shepherd. So he started to teach them many things. It was already getting late when his disciples came to him and said, look, there's nothing here. It's getting late. Send them away. They need to go off into the countryside and the villages and buy themselves some food. Why don't you give them something? Jesus replied. Are you suggesting, they asked, that we should go and spend 200 dinars and get food for this lot? Well, said Jesus, how many loaves have you got? Go and see. They found out and said, five and a couple fish. Jesus told them to sit everyone down, group by group, on the green grass. So they sat down in companies by hundreds and by fifties. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes, looked up to heaven, blessed the bread, broke it, and gave it to his disciples to give to the crowd. Then he divided the two fish for them all. Everyone ate and had plenty. They picked up leftovers, and there were 12 baskets of broken pieces and of the fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. At once, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and set sail across towards Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. 
he took his leave of them and went off up the mountain to pray. This is the word of the Lord. What sticks out to you? The slides are going to just rotate a little bit here. Maybe there's something that stuck out to you in this. I invite you for a couple minutes here to discuss with your neighbor. It's funny, you'll probably learn more from the conversations that you're having now than from what I'm about to say. Because there's so many things that you can draw out of this passage. There's a lot, I mean, I was saying before, um, if we read between the lines, there's so much stuff that you could talk about and just dwell on out of this passage. Um, and like I said, those, the conversations that we have with our neighbors, especially in this place with brothers and sisters, um, we can learn a lot. It could surprise us. Um, but of all the things that we can pull out, um, some of you know this about me. I love to start, I love to begin with where Jesus starts and where he ends. And I just want to focus on that in this passage. I mean, in thinking about what has happened up till now and then heading into this scene, we have to bring that all into like immersing ourselves in the story all the different emotions that could be present, all the different things that could be happening and the conversations that could be happening around it. But there are two things that Jesus does in this passage that I believe gives him or you know, shows us sort of a pattern or a framework or a discipline that allows him to respond in situations like this that are probably, I wouldn't say unwanted, but unexpected situations. And so in wanting to process privately with the 12 and withdrawing alone for prayer, the framework that strengthened Jesus to be ready when the crowds came hungry was revealed. So where did Jesus start and where did he end? In no particular order, a lot of, you know, when we read through the Gospels, we see that Jesus starts a lot up in the mountain praying, getting with his father and then coming down and choosing his disciples. And he's, he's doing things. He's directing the kingdom. So, but in this passage, he begins with listening to his apostles. Have you ever been in that situation where you're carrying an incredible amount of grief and bad news, and then your friends come to you with incredibly good news, and you're like, what do I do? How do I do this? I don't even know. Anyways, it's kind of happening here. So he begins with listening. Despite everything that has happened, he begins with listening to his apostles. And then he says, all right, it's time for a break. Come away, just you, and we'll go somewhere lonely and private, specifically the apostles, the 12. He's desiring to process privately with the 12, with believers. Maybe this is like the ecclesiologist in me that just loves how the kingdom and the local church 
you know, kind of come together here, desiring for privacy with the 12 to process the kingdom. What happened out there? Let's get some rest. And then where did he finish? He took his leave from them and went off up into the mountain to pray. And I think this is an area that we all um, probably struggle with to a certain degree. Like, what does it mean to go in our room, close the door, and pray to our Father in heaven? What does that look like every day for you, for me, to open the word and just sit and let the word wash over us and pray? Like, given the gold rush, given the rat race that we're all consumed by in, Western, in the Western world, it's a hard discipline to cultivate. But Jesus knew that this was important for him to go up to find rest and focus to do what the Father was doing. And so he could come down and direct the kingdom. But also, how does Jesus respond in this scene? And we see that how he responds is empowerment. Why don't you give them something? How many loaves have you got? Go and see. He's asking his disciples, his apostles, to go out and see what they have. What do we have to work with? And so he chooses to ask his disciples to go out and discover what they have, but to return to him with intel, with the data. We don't just go out there and not come back and say, what do you want us to do with this? Then the great collaboration takes place. He directs the disciples to gather the people for a meal while he provides the blessing himself. Like, there is so much in this passage, guys. You can imagine Mark writing this post-resurrection in the middle of a full-blown revival in the first church. And this is his reality. This is very much his reality. It's a beautiful scene because we get a picture of the kingdom now. Not just in the story, but this, is, this projects into our reality right now. And so the human God... The human God chooses to release people into our care. But it begins with getting our priorities straight so we can respond faithfully. When life gets crazy, when unexpected things start happening, when we get locked up in this, this, this rhythm, this worldly pattern of just fast-paced culture, fast-food culture. We're always back to back to back to back, and then we're in the middle of what happens next. Well, there, there's a framework here that God calls us into in his son. He, in fact, he demonstrates it for us. And so the human God chooses, for sure, to release people into our care, but it begins with getting our priorities straight so we can respond faithfully and invite the the worship team back up. I've had a few conversations with you over the past couple weeks that have just kind of, you know, 
gone in that direction of knowing that we need to get our priorities straight in such a fast season. Because things can feel chaotic, and if you don't have these kind of things in line in terms of, you know, finding rest in the Father and praying and giving things up to Him and trusting Him and asking Him, not just, you know, here's everything, take it, I trust you, like, uh, let go and let God, something like that. It's, it's more like, what are you doing in the midst of all this? How is the kingdom bursting forth in the middle of all this? And how have you called me to participate in that? Who have you brought around me that I can even say, hey, can you help me out with this? Go and see what we have. It's incredibly dynamic, this passage. And we can't tackle all the different ways that Jesus demonstrates how dynamic he is when he's demonstrating the kingdom for us. But that's the power of his word. That's the power of the gospel that transforms hearts. We need to be in the scriptures. We need to allow them to wash over us and show us this is the way of Jesus. We need to capture Mark's heart, describing the way Jesus moved, the way he, he moved and breathed and spoke, directed. So are we cultivating these priorities that Jesus had? Are we guarding our time together? Do we have that same desire to retreat together and to process the things that are happening in our lives in Christ? Are we helping each other in those ways? Are we spending time behind closed doors with the Father? This is a season quite specifically that requires it. I mean, every season does and should. But judging by how, we're always in the middle of what happens next. This is priority. Now I was thinking about in this scene where it says, I'm going to go back here. Jesus told them to sit everyone down, group by group, on the green grass. Like, on the green grass. Nice little detail. We've got a lot of green grass in Florida. But we also got a lot of burnt grass. That grass at the Orlando City game last night didn't look too good. It was a little rough patches. But 
It's important to come together on the green grass in the presence of Jesus as he's directing order out of chaos. He gathers us together on the green grass to acknowledge that we're actually sitting on green grass. A lot of us, it's hard for us sometimes to realize that we're sitting on green grass all the time in Jesus. So what do we see in the human God? What do we see in Jesus that is action but not busyness? That provokes us to grow. That inspires us to grow. That leads us and shapes us to be strengthened for what's next. For what's to come. Because I guarantee you we back up here in three months and it'll feel like yesterday. And so many things will have happened in between. It's kind of overwhelming. Right, guys? I'm blown away by the way God reveals himself in those hard pathways. But it requires a response, a participation, um, a recognizing of the priorities that Jesus had. And if we say that we are followers of Jesus, then this is good enough for me to put into practice. So let's stand. I'm going to pray and we're going to enter into a time of worship. Heavenly Father, you are so sweet to us. God, we think of all the things that are happening in our church, the seasons of preparation, the seasons of abundance, the seasons of challenge or uncertainty, of change. God, you're in all of those places. Forging a path for us. Inviting us deeper into intimacy with you. Holy Spirit, we are desperate that you would continue to lead us in the way of Jesus. To grant us the wisdom that Jesus had to respond in these certain moments. Good God, we ask, we ask that you would just compel us by your love to get our priorities straight. To hear your heart for us inviting us into spiritual family to process with your followers to those who by your grace can in a moment just pause to perceive your kingdom that is not of this world 
but that is bursting forth. But that is bursting forth. We think of Mark's heart. We think of Israel that was waiting so long for this moment for their king to return, and it didn't look exactly like they thought it would, but it was better. So much better that it called us all into relationship with you, Yahweh. And so God, have mercy on us for the times that we forget, for the times that we get wrapped up in the patterns of this world, but overwhelm us with your grace that we still have an opportunity to be transformed, to be made new, to heal a hurting world that is always seems to be just in turmoil. But God, we know that you can bring order to chaos. And that we co-labor with you in that very work is beautiful. It's a gift. Let us not take this lightly. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.